want to tell a story that I realize I've, I was never able to tell previously in my uh, previous career about being wrong about something. How wrong have you been? What's the worst prediction you've ever made? Like the the most wrong about anything you've ever been. Uh, I, so for me, it was Bobby Bones. Do you know Bobby Bones? Okay. Bobby Bones is a very big deal. Bobby Bones is a, uh, he's a syndicated morning radio guy on a gazillion country radio stations across the country. And, uh, and he's, he's been on like Dancing with the Stars and American Idol. And I mean, he's just, he's a very big deal. Well, a bunch of years ago, probably at least 10 years ago, maybe even longer than that, 10, 11, 12 years ago, uh, when I was, you know, young and hungry and working in radio, I was very studious of what was happening in the industry. And there was a, an article that came out, I think maybe on something called All Access, which I don't even know if it exists anymore, but it used to be like, you know, radio news reported on All Access. There was this story that this top 40 night jock had become a morning top 40 radio jock and that he had a team he had a a, you know a staff he had a bunch of cohorts and uh that they had been syndicated across like six markets down in the south and i and i i think one of them was a major market i think it was like dallas texas which is a major market and then like five small towns five smaller markets and um and so that caught my eye, and I was like, oh, my God, look at this. Wow, look at this. This is a big deal. This guy might – wow, This. look at this guy. He might turn out to be something. So um, so I looked him up and found a way to listen online. And, again, I, I think this might have been 2009-ish, 10-ish, something in there. So I don't remember exactly what the technology was, if it was an app or whatever, but somehow or the other, I found his show, and I tuned in. And I just thought it was the worst thing I'd ever heard. I listened to this show and, and it was like there was nothing about it. Well, I don't need to describe what I didn't like about it. At the end of the day, I just I listened to it and, you know, I made a little snobby, uh, completely uneducated opinion that it was shit, basically. And I remember even it, I used it to like assure myself. It was like, oh, um. Well, this is good, Paul, because what this means is that like what's out there in the world is so bad that if you fail in Rochester, New York, you'll you'll be fine. You'll be able to, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll be able to go down south and do like this guy and be in a bunch of small markets and syndicate yourself. Well, anyway, uh, the rest of the story is history. Bobby Bones is like the biggest deal in the history of country radio at this point. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm sitting here doing a podcast on my back porch on a Saturday night. So <laughs> I read that perfectly, didn't I? Um, no, it, you know, it, it, and I do want to throw in this one thing. One year at morning show boot camp in Miami, I actually got to meet Bobby and uh, I sat behind him during a seminar. And one thing that I thought was interesting was he was uh, doing his own social media. I think it was Twitter or something. He was he had checked his Twitter. And yes, I was looking over his shoulder. Okay, stop judging. 
but I, he was checking his Twitter and he went to his, he had like a zillion notifications and he was legitimately scrolling through every single one of them. And I thought that was kind of cool. By then he wasn't the Bobby Bones that I thought stunk anymore. At this point, he was like well on his way to becoming who he is today. Uh, but yeah, that was my story of like, how wrong can you be? Well, I was pretty darn wrong about Bobby Bones. I was pretty darn wrong. Uh, anyway, let's get to today's episode. Today's episode, an interview, a conversation with a guy who usually has conversations with other people. Adam Chodak, uh, what happened was I was going to be interviewing the Medley Center Twitter and Medley Center needs to think about it a little longer before Medley Center decides whether or not he or she wants to come on this podcast. And, uh, so in the meantime, just to kind of troll Medley Center, Medley Center put out this poll saying, should I go on Polly's podcast? Adam Chodak, who a lot of people over the years have accused of being the Medley Center on Twitter, Chodak put out the exact same poll to troll Medley Center. Well, anyway, uh, when Medley Center told me that they needed to think about it uh, and I saw that Chodak had, you know, become part of the conversation, I said, well, you know what? Adam would be a great conversation. He is so likable. He's got a great story, a rich history. And you know what I'm always looking for with people is I'm always looking for that that moment where maybe things weren't great and you had to persevere. And Adam has one of those stories, which he'll share with us. By the way, speaking of those kinds of stories, how about Bob Matthews last week? Holy shit. Matthews with the uh, revelations he made, shall we say, towards the end of last week's podcast. I didn't know. I did not see that. People were asking me, they're going, do you, did you know he was going to talk about that? No, I was in the same seat you were in. I had no idea he was going to go there, but he went there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week. If you do know what I'm talking about, thank you for listening. And uh, please enjoy my conversation with Channel 8's Adam Chodak. Yeah, so this actually you you being here actually already screws up my podcast plan. I just want you to know that. Why is that? Because I I just talked to Bob Matthews last week, and then after the Bob Matthews interview, I said, oh, "Well, I'm not going to do any more media for a little while. I'm going to interview people from like the from like food, business, you know, arts." And now I got to do two media in a row. Well, that's because I kind of pushed myself on you. No, on I loved Twitter. it. I loved how it happened. So what happened was, I reached out to. I'm the Medley Center, damn it, on Twitter. Right. And I'm, I don't want to reveal all, everything that happened in that conversation because there's a chance that the person who runs that Twitter is going to come on this podcast, right? But I, I said, would you ever come on? And then the conversation sort of went like, yeah, maybe I would. You know? And then Medley Center put out a poll, and then you put out a poll because you're trolling the Medley Center because I don't think you are. I am not a chodacker as they say. You are not the Medley Center. No, someone had suggested it after the poll and so just to mess with Twitterverse, I decided to mimic put out the exact <laughs> same tweet that 
Medley Center. But death. you've been blamed of that before. Haven't you been accused that you're the Medley Center before? Yeah, but I always say a, a few things. One, I don't have the time for that. Yeah. Two, <laughs> I really, and I mean this honestly, whoever runs that is is a step or two above me funny-wise. Like, I'm okay at a party, but he's he or she is legitimately funny. And the other thing is some of the references make me think that he's about five to six years older than me. Yeah. Some of the pop culture stuff is a little bit before my time. Uh, whoever it is, is, is a little older. Yeah. Uh, there was some information revealed that I, I'm going to tease because I still have the radio. The one radio skill I still maintain is the tease. My wife and son are here to say hi. Hello, hello. And by the way, we're social distancing. I just want to point out we're in my backyard. Adam is sitting several feet away from me in front of my garden i'm several feet away from adam and then my wife and child just walked in there's leo that's leo look at this hello hello isn't he kind of cute yeah thank god looks like his mom right <laughs> it's good to see you yeah you're gonna burn this microphone after right <laughs> no no it's all right how are you doing with this whole thing let's not, not news wise yeah let's just talk adam wise how's adam doing with it's, dealing with the coronavirus it's world? funny you know when you have a kid i I've found that you may have five or six things that make you, you, and you slowly give them up. Some people are just able to just put all five or six things aside and say, okay, I'm a dad now and a worker. Yeah. I, w- I was not. <laughs> I kind of like held on to all six real tight and then one by one they were taken away, whether it was like being a terrible Spanish speaker and trying to get better, yeah. a terrible guitar player and trying to get better. And all those things, and the last thing to go was running. I, I was like, no, my health comes first. And like, I think it was last year. I was like, well, there goes that. <laughs> um, it, I, I say it in jest. It, it's serious, but in all honesty, being a dad is the best thing. And I, I gave it up willingly. It was my choice. And for some reason, I think at the start of the year, certain things started to fall in place. My wife got a full-time job, and she was really crushing it. And I started to get some of those things back. And there was like two weeks in the beginning of March where I was like, I have my life back. How old are your kids again? Uh, I've got one. He's eight. Oh, just one. Okay. Yeah, just so one. So he's, yeah. eight. he's self-sufficient now. Yeah. He started, and he was going to school. He was getting up. Like yeah. everything was kind of starting to gel. Yeah. Adam's coming back a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I started, I, we got a treadmill, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. And then I remember that Wednesday when that guy came in on the bus from New yes, York City. Yes. And it all started with that. And I really, everything just kind of went crazy. What was it like that? to work in news at the at that time? The beginning, beginning. Not not right now, but the very tip of the iceberg. You, you as a news junkie, yeah. knew that this thing existed. And you knew it for a couple months. And it was in Asia. And it was maybe it's going to come here. We all knew it was probably going to come here. Yeah. Like, what was it like when it finally came here? Was it like, okay, we've, we've been preparing for this? Yeah, or was but it like, I, I kind do? of fault myself for being a bit of a Pollyanna. I, I knew of it. I saw the headlines from some epidemiologists who were saying, this is going to be really bad here. But I was following some of the guidance, even from the CDC or even from Dr. Michael Mendoza here, saying like the risk is low here. And I was I was buying into it willingly. While my friend Evan Dawson was, you know, he was, the sky is falling, yeah. you know, chicken little. Yeah. And we would have these debates about whether it would. He turned out to be right. Yeah. Um, so... I was a little taken aback, and so I kind of, my eyes opened slowly as it was going on. It wasn't this big revelation for me. When they canceled school, I was like, okay, two weeks. And then it, right. and it really wasn't until I'd say April 1st where I was like, got it. This I is understand happening. now, this, yeah. yeah. So I went into breaking news mode, which is, 
adrenaline, all in, do what you can, and then realize that when we go into that mode, it's supposed to be for a few days or maybe a couple weeks. And so once you got into April, it was unprecedented. We just haven't had anything like that happen before. What What are your meetings like now? Well, you guys, I assume that there's pitch meetings, right? Everyone sits yeah. around. You, at some point, you guys get together. You talk about what are we going to do on the news tonight, right? What is it like now when you're on week 11 of the same story? And there, there's been, from what I can tell, there's been like two major things, right? The first was all medical. It was all about the medical. And then at some point it switched over. Now it's all about economy and opening and all that. It seems, it seems to me, am I off? I'm not as plugged in as I used to be. No, so. no, it certainly has transitioned, I think, with the new inflammatory condition that's linked to it with kids. That's mm. been more medical, vaccines, treatment. So there is a medical side to it, but there has been a shift to the economy. I'd say it's about 50-50 now. Meetings, we're not all in the station. We have the producers, a lot of them are at home. The reporters are outside of the building. So we call in now, we do like the teleconference type thing. And in the past, one of the biggest challenges in local news is finding stories. We kind of go around and, okay, what's the other, what are other people doing? How can we copy them? Um, but but now well, that it's- hap- Does that happen? It happens. Uh, it happens. By the way, it happened in radio. I can yeah. Now I can reveal all radio's <laughs> secrets. Radio, radio show prep was like, what's 13, 8, and 10 saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh especially D&C for oh, us. DNC, like, how can yeah. we make that into a TV story? You know, like- <laughs> it's 100%. So, so it's, it's, well, Rochester's a type of city where, like, you- you get some big stories, and then there's just some days where there's like a car accident is the big story. Not downplay, obviously, yeah, yeah, to that no. person who was ever in the car accident, that was the biggest thing to happen to them. But but it's just a, you know, there is just some slow news days. At least this has given you no slow news days. Yeah, no, that's no longer the problem. It's more like, well, what do we cover? And yes, you're right. It's the same issue, but there are so many different aspects because it impacts so many different people. So while we are talking about the same things it's a different degree of how much that's impacting someone so if it's unemployment it's still a story for a lot of people are you getting your unemployment claims how many weeks has it been so there's it's overwhelming because we don't have the people to do it and there are just it's it's crazy what's going on right now have you always loved news are you a legitimate news junkie no um what were you what was adam chodak like in high school so I I often tell this story. I was kind of a jack of all trades. I I liked everything. I did drama. I ran cross country. I played baseball. I did the basketball announcements. I was kind of into like everything. I just was having fun. I definitely started to like national news. I would say my senior year, I started to really pick up on the national news vibe. And so I've been a national news politics junkie since about 98, 99. When I got to Syracuse, though, I thought I was going to be a sports guy. And I went into the first sports meeting for the local radio station, and they were talking about NHL statistics dating back to 72, the current trade rumors for the NBA. And I thought to myself, well, not only do I not know what they're talking about, I don't care. What was I thinking? Like, I like watching baseball. That's the extent of my sports knowledge. And right across the room... They were having a news meeting. So I went over there and they were talking about what parties they were going to have that night. And I thought to myself, yeah. These are my people. Yeah. (laughs) Is is this news? Because that's what I'm going to get into. I found my people. That's right. So uh, did you at that point know it was going to be your career? Or was it just like, I'm in college. This will be 
this will be a fun little thing for yeah me I, I knew that this is pretty much what I wanted to do you I realized early on that I was not gifted in many areas if any you know you just you just, I you you have self-realization I try to be very self-reflective you know like yeah. there's gotta be something you're good at you are a runner Right, but yeah, I was so I got in onto Syracuse cross country team my sophomore year. Okay. I was the worst runner on like there has to be a worst runner, right? <laughs> I was it but by far. We had a Kenyan on the team when we would do mile like by Did mile two, I was being lapped ah, by this guy. He was such a nice guy too. He's like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> I was like, Oh <laughs> You really you're telling me you're not good at anything. You no, good no, at but stuff. there's a difference between being okay at something and like having it. A gift, yeah. right? And I, a gift is just something that you're a step above most people. And yeah. so when I did public speaking in high school, everyone, most people in the class were dreading the day that their presentation came up. I'm like, dreading? This is like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is it. This is my chance. This is no work. This is like, no, this is like the best class ever. Yeah. yeah. And that's when it really hit me. I'm like, okay, so I can talk in front of people. How can I do that while also staying somewhat academic I didn't like theater I wasn't great at theater um, and it just it's amazing that this profession was around in my time because it combined everything I will say this when I got to my senior year though of college I had interned at 13 for two years I'd been working for three I knew what this business was I had a very good idea of what my life would be like and I had this moment where I said okay do I want that lifestyle I know that this job is best for me yeah but do i do i want to work nights and 12 hours a day when i like being home i like relaxing i like anybody i like having a beer at night sure and so i decided to apply for education to get my degree in education because my thought was maybe i'll become an english teacher well hold, hold on one second let's, yeah. pa let's pause right there for yeah. just one second the the lifestyle that you're talking about the news lifestyle i don't really know, know exactly what you're talking about i mean how what is that what is the the negative i know you love your job yeah and i'm not asking i'm not saying you don't love your job right but any job even the one you love there's some stuff that's like, oh, that's not ideal, right? Right. And so you just named it. This is long days. So it's, always it's long on. days, and you have to move a lot. In the first 10 years of your mm. career, you start yeah. off in a very low market, usually, and then you move to a Rochester or, or Syracuse, usually your second job. But if you want to keep advancing, you're probably moving four to six times before you settle down. Yeah, and that's even, just because you have to find the, the job. You have to find the next rung on the ladder exactly the and, yeah. and i think I, I went from syracuse to boston to colorado to rochester so four moves i didn't know that where are you yeah. from here oh you are from here yeah so but it I, ended uh, yeah my what? first job was in syracuse yeah. okay so we'll go back so you're gonna be an english yeah teacher. so so i but i saw the writing on the wall with that and if you're gonna stay as a reporter the, the pay can only get so high unless you go to one of those bigger markets and i started to realize i don't want to live in a city like a big new york city or la so I was like, I kind of want a quiet lifestyle. And I got into Syracuse education. I'm sitting there literally ready to go to class when I got a call to take a job in Syracuse at the Time Warner station at the time. And I went and I was like, I'll do both. I'll get my degree. And if I don't like this, I'll back out. Well, this job is intense. I started, I said, I'll, I'll postpone it. You know, I'll, I'll, whatever they call, I forget what they call it. What, you, put off school, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, put off school until... And that was it. I never went back. It's called dropping out of school. Yeah, it's called dropping out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so I dropped out, and I I realized this. Did you ever graduate? No, I never even went. 
Oh, you never. Oh, this I went was. To, I went to Syracuse, but I never went to graduate school to get oh, my education okay, degree. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah I never yeah. got my master's, and I kept thinking, well, I'll, there's. It's always my fallback, but I realized that if I went there, I'm sure I'd love the kids, I'd love the lifestyle, but I would flip on the TV, and I wish that was you. I wish. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew that about myself, especially when I got to like 40, 45, when really maybe my son was a bit older. There would be that giant what if yeah. in my mind. And now, at least if I go that route, at least there won't be that what if. God, I can relate to that so much with recent events in my life. But this is about you. Yeah. But I can no, really no. relate in to that. No, no. In what way? Just in the way that I had this opportunity to do this thing right. to, to really go full time for myself yep. and own a factory which mm-hmm. is not i can't even say that still without being like wait what you do what <laughs> what are you do-? and like that was just the type of thing where you know I, I really liked radio and i still do i mean look i'm sitting here right. doing podcasts in my backyard i'm not doing this because i don't like it i like doing it right it's just that that opportunity came around and i went this is gonna haunt me forever if i don't try this you know absolutely and that was i can so relate to that it was just pulling so hard at me that i'm like i have to go do that and you know radio now you've yeah. done it it's not this big unknown not only can you go back to it, but it's a known entity, and you feel like you've been there. I'm not sure I can go back. To it. Yeah, <laughs> at least not at least not a certain company. But I'm yeah, not, there's not some stuff I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> I don't think I'm welcome back. Anyway, oh, but, okay, well, but but so you so you make the leap <laughs> at, at some at yeah, some station. I can. Well, you know what? Actually, we have to remember to go back to the st- where we are in the story. Cause yeah. I have to tell you because damn you, you stumped me good on Adam interviews. <laughs> the timing was right. I don't know if you remember it. it. To you, it was probably just another interview and another question. But you asked me if I was ever going to go full-time on the sauce business. And this was like early January mm-hmm. in Adam interviews. And that was right when I was making this decision. Yeah. And that really was that was a tough one. I stuttered through that answer. <laughs> I don't know if you remember no, no, that I- or not. But I did. I just thought to myself as you were answering, wow, he's really conflicted. Yeah, I like, was. <laughs> I really was. I didn't know that like, stuff was happening. I was, was about happening. to sign paperwork. <laughs> like, it was all. Like, I hate lying to this guy, but man, I cannot I was, divulge this well, right well, now. And then when I did it, like, I called you. I actually personally called you yeah. because I had been, for three months, I was like, got to call Adam Chodak. I have to explain yeah. why that was so awkward. But it was probably wasn't all that awkward for you. Just for me, I was like, uh, I don't know. My brain just exploded in the moment. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Uh, anyway. The lie detector test. Yeah, it off. was. But I was. It really, that was like when it was happening. And that was crazy timing on that one. But yeah, anyway. That's funny. And then, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so you, so you end up deciding to go into news. You get that job, that first job. What exactly was that first job? One man band at the Time Warner station. One man band means you shoot for yourself, you edit, yeah. and you perform in front of the camera it's as great well. Great experience, right? It's unbelievable. So here's what made it an unbelievable experience is we launched the station there. Everyone knows our news from Rochester. That's been around for what, two decades now, something maybe even more. This was going to launch the R News of Syracuse, but they had two months of prep. So we got hired and it was all these fellow kiddos like me, and they had people who were unbelievable storytellers, both with a camera and as a reporter, train us for two months. I think that those two months changed my trajectory because often when you get out of J school, you're just thrust into the first job in nowhere in Nebraska, and you're just you're just on your own, basically. No one's really there to guide you, and you get good, and then you get to the next job, and it's just baptism by fires. Bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. I had got two weeks of putting on that nuance that a lot of people don't have. So I became a very good one-man band where I was better than most at all three 
you things, got, you aspects. actually got trained. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that so, doesn't happen. Exactly. And yeah. so for it was almost I always say like broadcast journalism is like a vocation. I don't look at it as it's funny that it's put in academia. I don't think it's the right fit there. I think it could be done in two years and then you should be trained. It should be a year of training. I've always thought that. And I think that having that experience set me up then to go to Boston, which shouldn't have happened. I wasn't ready for it, but they were looking for a one-man band. It was I was going to be the first one-man band outside of a cable station in Boston. And they saw what I could do. And at that point, I was maybe only one of a handful of people who did what I was doing well. Now everybody does. Um, and so that's what got me into Boston, which again, I did not deserve to be there, but I wanted to get that's to a, a city. That's a huge deal though. It's a huge market. Boston's one of the biggest markets in the country. Yeah. Right? I was number six at the time. Do you, uh, no numbers or anything. I don't want to embarrass you, but yeah. I mean, it, it, does it become a living when you get to Boston? <laughs> kind Syri- of. The Syracuse job couldn't have paid much. Right? No. So I was making, I think 21, five in Syracuse. Okay. Um, right. you know, but I, I'm t- I don't know how you felt, but when yeah. I was 21, 22, I was living pretty well on 21, oh, 5. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Definitely. My first radio job, I think I was 22, and I my very first job was $7 an hour. And then three yeah. months later, I hired full-time for $18,000 a year. <laughs> and I was living at home with my parents. What, yeah. what do you want from me? I was on the radio. It was fun. Oh, yeah. That's all I, I needed. I found two roommates who, who I didn't know. I had the smallest room on the upper level of this house that probably has fallen down since I lived there. <laughs> and uh, I was loving life. I went to Fagan's on Wednesday nights, and they had uh, Flip Night. Uh, anyone listening who's from Syracuse has done Flip Night. Flip Night? Flip uh, Cup? You, you take a quarter. Oh. The bartender does, flips it, and if you guess right, you get a free beer. Oh, nice. So if you get lucky that night... Oh. You got a hangover on Thursday morning. That's great. <laughs> so, That's a great idea for a promotion. I've it's never heard unbelievable. Of that. They're clever in Syracuse. I don't know how they make money off of it. Because <laughs> towards the end of the night, they're like, "Yeah, you got heads." Like, like you, you did. <laughs> or they'll be like, "You guessed tails, right?" I'm like, "Yes." Like, okay. <laughs> they were missed for death. What about so? How was Boston? You get to Boston. Your kids still right? How old are you in Boston? Yeah, so 24, 24 going on twenty five. Were you and, scared? Oh yeah, Boston? terrified. And yeah. and by the way, I thought I was living high money wise. They yeah. bumped my salary up to forty five thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is, I'm going <laughs> to retire on this. And the, but the thing, the problem with that is, even if you didn't know forty five thousand dollars wasn't a ton of money at that right. time, you're thinking to yourself, you're like, I'm, I'm twenty four making forty five. Oh, imagine what I'm going to get thirty four, forty four, fifty four. I'm going to be a zillionaire doing something I love. This is going to be great. Oh, I was like, well, I had a three year contract and it was going to take me up close towards fifty. I was going to oh, make forty nine wow. at the end of the contract. <laughs> so. At the end, that station ended up being bought out a year after I was there and bought out by the NBC station in town, and they closed. 150 people laid off. Ouch. It was crazy. My news director, the last day we were working, she had like this weird conversation with me, and she was like, by the way, I just want to let you know that, you know, we kind of cheated you. Like, you you could have asked for a lot more and we would have given it oh. to you. <laughs> and did you tell her, well, you you could have offered a lot less than I would have taken it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you probably would have too, right? Oh, like, yeah. You can, yeah. If they just said, Boston, you're making, we're going to give you an extra two grand. I would have been like, like awesome. It's and then huge. I would have gotten there like, where am I supposed to live? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. So then I applied to all the other Boston stations being like, well, I'm in Boston now. They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, is Colorado after that then? Yeah, so. they the assistant news director because yeah, because then you're screwed. You're literally you don't have a job. You live in Boston, and now all of a sudden you're yeah, but it's it's weird when you're like you're 24, 25. I don't know if you felt like this. I'm like okay. It doesn't scare you to not it have a job. It doesn't scare you no. at all. No, you're, you're like, like eh. I was like. 
the Boston Globe was kind of itching. It was scratch. They were like, "Do you?" They've never even heard of a one-man band before, but they know that they saw the train coming, and they were like, we, "Like, help us move into the digital age." I'm like, "Okay, uh, let's have a conversation." I really didn't care. I, I knew we were going to be okay, and we were yeah. in Boston. And then I had applied to a station in Colorado prior because when I was 22, the hubris that I had, like <laughs> I applied to one of the best stations in the country. The assistant news director called me, and he's like, so I hear you might be looking for a job. And he's like, we have a bureau up in Fort Collins. You know, you're interested in being the reporter up there? I'm like, am I? <laughs> like, I'll get my ticket and be there. I hung up, and I'm like, where the hell is Fort Collins? He's <laughs> Googling. I, go- like, I had literally yeah. Googled Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> I kind of did that when I moved to Rochester. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was moving to New York City for a second. I'm from Ohio, so I'm not going to lie. So Colorado, how's that job go? Is that a good job? It was awesome. Was that one of the? What, you said it was one of the best stations in the country. Is that what you're talking about? This Fort yeah, Collins? Or? Yeah, yeah. They, they, well, the station's in Denver. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's KUSA. It's an incredible station. The photojournalism there is unparalleled. The storytelling, and again, kind of like Boston. Like I got there, I'm like, what am I doing here? And it just so happened that I kind of fit that job perfectly where I could, when the photographer was on vacation, one-man band. Like, that one-man band got me another job. And this one was just, I God, I learned so much there. And they always say Fort Collins is like the number one CNN money place to live and all that for years. And it's, it is ridiculous. But here's the thing about living in Colorado. You will never feel cool. Like, everybody is so much cooler than you. Like, if you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I went for this great walk on the trail. And they're like, that's cool. Like, I went boulder jumping. Like, <laughs> like if, if by chance you finally get to go skiing, you're like, I went skiing. They're like, oh, yeah, I got dropped off by a helicopter when teleskiing. <laughs> Had an avalanche push me to the end. <laughs> you're just like, well, okay. <laughs> How long were you actually there? Four years. Four years. God. That's great. Yeah, it was you, an amazing experience. You, you got for four years. It's kind of like you were getting your mask. Well, no, you already had your mask. You basically it's had already. Funny had you that. should say that. Is that how you felt? Like I it was your always, master's in journalism. I thought by that point I was getting my postdoc. Yeah. So yeah. I thought my Syracuse job was my master's. My Boston experience was kind of like a residency, like a doctor. I thought that you know, getting my doctorate, and then really this is residency in in Colorado where you kind of perfect. Or at least come close to being as good as you can be. In all these situations, you're the reporter, right? You're the one-man band yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Would, you, tell me about a crazy... Do you have any crazy stories that you covered? Like where you got... I always think about yeah. stories like where it's middle of the night and you got to drive to a crime scene and the shooter's still loose. Does that actually happen or is that just in movies? Oh, yeah. No, no. There's There's been times like that, but I'll give you two and you get to pick. Okay. All right. All right? EF3 Tornado... Okay. Or Balloon Boy. <laughs> you you were on Balloon Boy? Wait. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't on Balloon Boy. I started Balloon Boy. Wait, you broke Balloon Boy? I broke Balloon Boy. You want to hear the story? No, I want the other one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The tornado one is I saw a big tornado. Um, and I didn't die. <laughs> Fiend. So, uh, Balloon Boy, I'm sitting there Saturday, and I get a call I can't remember if it was Saturday I had my day off. I can't remember. This was a huge news Huge, story. huge. I get a call from one of the producers saying like, hey, I know you're off right now, but we're getting, like, we got a call that there, you know, a kid got trapped in a balloon and is floating, like, is up. I'm like, oh, and my photographer was off at that point. So it was just me. I had a live truck that was parked outside of my house. I'm like, don't worry, I'll go check it out. 
put on some jeans and a, a shirt. I go over. It's a quiet neighborhood. I'm literally the first one there. I get there. There's one police car in front. I'm sniffing around. The deputy comes out and he's like, hey, I'm like, what is going on? I'm hearing that like there's a kid. Is the kid actually missing or is he hiding? Like I remember saying like being very skeptical. You called it right off the bat. Well, just like it just sounded fishy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a kid in a balloon. And this is where it all started. The deputy said to me, I've searched the entire house. The kid isn't here. Wow. And they, they tell me and that you can see it in back. They, they were building some type of thing and it does appear to be up in the air. So I call back to the station. I'm like, hey, you know what? The, it's possible, according to the deputy. We had a helicopter. KUSA had a helicopter. They sent up the helicopter. And the video that an hour later was on literally every station was from our helicopter. And within a blink of an eye, the entire street is filled with live trucks. I had to, because of the timing, run the truck and the live shot for NBC Nightly News. Wow. Dude, so what What happens? Do you get the chance to talk to the dad? Oh, the dad. That's the craziest thing is the dad. Because the was dad was out, like the guy, in, guy who it, did it, right? Yeah, and his wife was in on it too. The whole family was yeah. in on it. Yeah. And he's out and about like playing the, the weird like victim card. But there was something off about him the whole time. But I was so busy, I couldn't really get my radar up to figure out whether this guy was BSing or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was just like, By the way, it's a like fake crying. We can say bullshit now. Oh, that's okay. the cool thing. Well, you don't have to. Maybe yeah, you don't yeah. want to. That's okay <laughs> if you don't have to. But I just want to say it's yeah. one benefit of podcast. But go yeah, on. But I've been very skeptical, more skeptical of people since then. Like I, I knew something wasn't right, but uh-huh. I just I just thought to myself, and then I remember one of my the other photogs in town, we were just chatting and he goes, you know, I recognize that guy. He was on some show that I watched. It was like uh, House uh, Wife Swap or something like that, I think, on ABC. And that's when I really was like, he wants to be famous. Something's not right. Uh-huh. But what do you say at that point? I mean, if the kid's actually in the thing, what, yeah, am, I, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just keep going with it until it crashes into the field. My coworker Brian Willie runs up with the cops to this thing that they built, and they're like, "The kid's not here." And then it's either he fell out or this is a complete prank. But again, if the kid fell out, you can't be the one to say, "I think this is a prank." Yeah. So everyone's just holding on. Everyone kind of feels it, but no one can say it yet. Exactly. You're waiting for the cops to put cuffs on him, and then it's like. Here we go. Well, and then the kid just shows up, and then it was, oh, my God, you see, you know, I was just having snacks up in the garage, blah, 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 oh, and, and that's when we're all like, and oh. then when he, then when the kid said on Wolf Blitzer, he's like, you know, I did as my dad told me or whatever he said, <laughs> I was like, my life. Now, there's a video. I forgot all about that. There's a, <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that happened on live TV, didn't it? My <laughs> life. I interviewed the dad. I can't, these, these people have like stalked me since then in my mind. <laughs> there's a video on YouTube. Someone who lived in the area got very frustrated by day three or four with the traffic, and he lost his cool. He stopped his car. He started picking a fight with a photog. This other photog comes up, puts him in a full Nelson, tackles him to the ground. It's this whole scene. It's caught on YouTube. You can see me sitting with my <laughs> with my pad, just like watching the whole thing. And people who watch are like, "Why didn't you get involved?" I'm like, "What do you want me to do? Don't get involved. What do you want me to? Do? I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't involved. know these people. Uh-uh. Like, when what am I gonna do? Like, I ran cross country. <laughs> like, what am I gonna run circles around him like Flash? <laughs> 
dude, I can't believe you were the first person on scene of Blue. I forgot all about that story, but that had the nation captivated, and you were the guy that showed up to a quiet neighborhood. And I was one man banding yeah. with a live truck the whole time. What was the NBC Nightly News thing like? Take me back to that. So, like, they show up, they're going to do the news. They need somebody. What is it? They, were they going to do a live hit from there? Yeah, because they, they don't have a live truck at that point. Yeah, yeah. They, it was still they usually those organizations. So you have to become an engineer now. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they're you know they're an hour out, let's say from Denver, but they got the crew there. So I just had to. It got patched through KUSA for them. Oh, that's kind of cool. Were, yeah. were, you, were you nervous as it's on national nightly news and you're in charge of making sure it's live? You know, going back to what we were saying with that Wednesday when all the COVID stuff happened, you just go into adrenaline mode. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is, is because this is what I've been trained to do, you just kind of, it's all. Yeah. Autopilot. You, know, huh? you really do. Yeah. So how does Colorado end? Well, actually, give me the tornado real quick. Was there a big? Did you actually get caught in the tornado? No, we had heard on the scanner. We were. It was actually right around this time, 2008, because we were going to interview someone in the Weld County Sheriff's Office about speed on Memorial Day. One of the you talk about like running out of story ideas. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone speeds on Memorial. Day. It's like okay, well, I guess we had nothing better to do. Let's yeah. do speed. So we're just literally driving towards the interview and we had a scanner in the car and my photog who's from Oklahoma heard that a tornado touched down in Gilcrest. I remember the game I was playing on my phone on my Blackberry. It was like where the little balls match up and like they disappear and you just keep trying to get all and they and they're like how is that possible? Like it was cloudy but nothing crazy and we don't get tornadoes that close to the foothills. So we crest the overpass of the highway and I'm, I'm like well, those clouds are really like low to the ground, like just a passing thought. And he's like, those clouds are rotating. You were in it. And it was like from here, you know, probably to the corner of the street where we are right now. So it was about a quarter of a mile away. Yeah. And he stops the car. He goes, look, get in the the driver's seat. I'm going to shoot from the back with the hood open. If it turns towards us, I'll say go. I'll jump in with the camera and you just take off. Oh my God. You were in the movie Twister, basically. Dude. I've never been so scared in my life yeah like my my foot started involuntarily shaking on the brake yeah, yeah and then i started like trying to get my camera out like <laughs> and, and at some point the hail was so big that one was about a baseball size it hit the windshield and the whole windshield just oh my god just cracked you were so close to that it was crazy if it turned towards you i don't know would you have been able to get away in time or? um Probably, but I saw cars. It. Like this is this is how crazy. I saw cars because it started to pass over the highway, going through. Because they're probably thinking that's a that's a dense fog. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so anyway, it passed north, and this is one of my biggest regrets. Fortunately, no one had more people died. One person died, but it was like a half mile away. So even if I had done what I'm about to tell you, I should have done. This person was going to die anyway. But it went. It ended up going through Windsor, uh, which is a very well-populated area that a lot of people in Rochester know about because there's a giant Kodak plant there. Oh. And so a lot of people in the 80s and 90s were transferred to Windsor. So if you go up to Fort Collins, which is right near Windsor, there's so many people from Rochester. Anyway, it ended up passing right over a daycare, but people, some miracle worker, ended up taking the kids out of the daycare, saw it coming, I don't know how, and moved them into a bank vault next door. It is a miracle. They saved maybe 20, 30 kids' lives because yeah. it, it tore apart the daycare. What I should have done is the second it passed over, I should have called the station. It was about 11.50 at that point. The noon broadcast was coming up. I should have said, put me on. I don't care if it's a black screen. 
they need to hear my voice right now because I need to tell people north of where we are that a tornado may be coming their way. Instead, I, I got out, we got set up for the live shot, we went live 10 minutes later. It would have been too late. Fortunately, again, no one died who, there was one person, one guy went after his dog and he ended up getting it. But um, so I'm much more reactive now to that stuff. Like I was, I was more in the breaking news, get on air, yeah. get, get everything set up. I don't know why I, but now I know that in those situations, it doesn't matter what it looks like. No one will care <laughs> what it looks like. Just get the news in, the, out there. Do you miss being a reporter ever? You miss being out in the, as they call it, in the shit, like out actually on the streets covering. I get stuff. enough. I get a dose of that probably once a month. Uh, I'm out on the street. So, you know, during the flooding last year, I was out by the water um, when that house exploded, which by the way, did you feel that, that house? Remember in October when the house exploded? No, we didn't feel it over here. Oh, okay. No. So I was out there for three hours. So I get enough okay. to kind of fill that. And yeah. the interviews are really what I've always loved. So it kind of fills that. Yeah, you I are don't... a great interviewer. That Adam interviews thing <laughs> is fantastic. Oh, man. thanks. It really is. It's a great segment. I've watched a lot of them. It's good. Do you, you interviewed my hero, Giovanni Ledestri, by the way? Oh yeah, well he's that dude and amazing. his daughter. His, I mean, yeah, yeah, she's taken over. Yeah, yeah. That's I love that whole family. But no, your interviews are great. But I just I was wondering if you miss it because in in news becoming an yeah. anchor that's like the that's the gig right that's yeah. what everyone's really after. When did you actually get to make the transition? Yeah, so some people, I really didn't know or think I was going to be an anchor. And the worst advice I ever got was from my favorite mentor who taught me <laughs> so much. And the reason I can tell a story is because of him. But he had said when I first got in at Syracuse, they had offered me fill-in anchor and then a weekend anchor gig. And I was like, I went to him like, Bill, do you think I should take this? And he said, an anchor should be able to anchor the news. And I knew what he meant by that, which is you need to be able to know a lot about a lot in order to truly be an anchor. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be a reporter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what happened was, is when Denver rolled around, I, my photographer who I was with ended up dying. Yeah, he ended up getting a blood disease, and it, it, it was a long process. And they said to me, they were like, look, we're not going to fill his role. So you're, again, one man, you can do it. Yeah. And he's like, and I was like, yeah, but I can do it now at 30, but I, am I going to be doing this at 50 years old? Like, I can't, I love this job, but started to look down the road. And so a weekend anchor gig came up, and I'm like, w what if I do that two days a week? And they're like, have you ever anchored before? I'm like, no. And they're like, you're in Denver. Like, sorry. Like, really? Did they, it was just, it, it's just too big of a market. They're like, you you have to have experience. You can't. Yeah. And, and I went down. They Even gave me on a the shot. weekends? They gave me a shot to, okay. to try out. Were you but, nervous? Oh, God. Was the tryout live or not live? Not live. Not no, no, no. no. They, I taped it. But I didn't, I'd never anchored before. And it's yeah. a different type of skill set. It's, I'm guessing it's, it's same in radio where it's like, it's one thing to be like the side guy yeah. and it's another to like host a show. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a different. Yeah. It's on you. Right. It's on you. Definitely. I mean, with the anchor thing, I would think it's the exact same way, right? The camera's on you. Yeah. The news is happening now. It's live. I don't care if you got to pee. You got to, <laughs> you got to do the news right now. Absolutely. And yeah. then, and then instead of doing one story, you're doing 10 and you have to switch gears to do it. There's just small nuanced changes that yeah. you need to have. Oh, and how many, and how how many news anchors do end up on the? You see those blooper rules, re, yeah. uh, reels, yeah. where like they're you know they, you you lose the fact that you're doing the news, right? And and then a series.
serious story comes on and they're like giggling or something. Have you ever seen those? Oh come yeah, on? yeah. You gotta be in like mental. I would think mentally, you gotta be a hundred percent there. You can't travel away in your brain. Right? No, that's very true. And yeah. I think that there's a certain confidence that you need as an anchor that you don't necessarily need as a reporter. Not a, a command of the of the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a performance aspect, if you will, that I just didn't have. I remember watching. Um, Muir, like like right before I went in for my tryout, like I'm going to be like him. And I went on, like I don't even want to look at what that tape probably looked like, like me trying to be David Muir. David Muir. We love David Muir, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Syracuse guy. Like yeah. I just, it's so silly looking back. And they probably looked at the tape and be like, we can't put this on air. Like he's a great, he's doing a great job up in the Northern newsroom. But like we can't do this. So I, I get where they came from. But I realized then that I'm going to need to do something like that. Well, hold on a second though. So you do this tryout and they say no. Yeah. That didn't crush you? Oh, yeah. It did crush you. Yeah. Did, well, it made me. It motivated you. I got upset. But but I understood even then. But I, I certainly understand even more now. But I understood that. And I'm like, I'm coming at you at one of the best stations in the country in market 16 saying like, I want to anchor. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a thing in our industry too, right? Like you come into a station saying, I want to report. And they always say like, do you want to anchor? Because they want you as a reporter. And most people do eventually want to anchor. And I, I had said initially like, no, but those four years you start to realize things. So, so how do you become an yeah. anchor then if it's going to be used against you? If you say you want to be an anchor one day, I think, I think you have to be upfront and be like, well, eventually, yeah, but I'll give you years of reporting, uh-huh. but I want to get experience at the anchor desk as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's a that's, good way to say it. That is a good answer, yeah. Yeah, and in retrospect, I should have done that in Syracuse. I should have gotten anchor experience and and whatnot. I just didn't see it. I didn't. I wasn't able to look that far down the road. So when you came to Rochester, were you just straight reporter at first? Weekend anchor. Weekend anchor. Yeah, one day a week. 13 had an interesting setup then. Rachel Barnhart anchored on Sundays, and I took Edward Moody's position and anchored on Saturday. So I was anchoring one day a week. Okay. And sa- Saturday is, in the news world, That's isn't that like the least day, right? Nobody watches the news Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, that's like, well. That's good, though. It's yeah. a good place to start. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was so nervous my first day. <laughs> like, the first time I anchored Saturday was the first time I had ever anchored. Uh-huh. And you know, and I'm like TV, in your hometown, right? In my home, oh, in your hometown. Whole All family's the watching. Are watching oh, right? Everybody. It's a Saturday night. What was the lead story first? It was. You uh, I don't remember the lead story. I remember that three stories in. It was something about Japan. I forget what it was. Fu- when did Fukushima happen? Oh, I don't, I don't uh, who knows? Me. What do I know? Yeah, I, I don't remember. I could, but, if only I had a device I could look it up on. But I messed up a name. I remember uh, I like I just totally botched a name and I'm like, Did you study ahead of time like the oh, pronunciation? I, I was and, like, I was too ready. Yeah, I was oh, like, yeah. I was too ready. And the thing about being in, when you're supposed to just walk over that stuff, just keep going. And it just it just got me. So my first performance, I just went back to the newsroom like this was a mistake. Like I, I even remember talking to Jill. Like, should we go back to Colorado? Like, this is. <laughs> yeah. At what point along the, the the travels do you meet Jill and get married and right in Syracuse? Oh, first, that was early on. Yeah, huh? first day at that at that um, TV so, job. So she travels with you to Boston and Colorado. What an angel, man! Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, you know, it's crazy. None of us could could do it without the support of our spouses isn't that crazy yeah because honestly because again i just went and i hate to turn it on me again i just went through this where i'm like i'm gonna make a big change right and she had my back a hundred percent you had you had to go to jill with that like three times well i think i think we could do it right like if you just look at the professional achievements we could do it and and honestly maybe a little bit more right because it's just you you're just concerned about you know polygoogs but what 
what we couldn't do is have that fulfilling life and do it right. without them. And the fact that they could meet those needs that would be, go unmet if we tried to do it ourselves and allow us to do it, that to me is what's yeah. super special. You're right. You're right. So the so so you get to Rochester and you're an anchor on Saturdays. Are you a reporter throughout during the week then too? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Nightside reporter. Yeah. I mean and that's thir- channel thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All and right. then I started cool. to fill in uh, quite a bit, and then Evan Dawson took off for WXXI, and I took over his morning gig. Okay. And then you're on thirteen all the time, and then you know you start to become. Adam Chodak, to be honest with you, you know, you're a big deal in Rochester. Yeah, Everyone right. loves No, seriously, <laughs> man. People love you. People people know you. You're a very big deal. You have many leather-bound books. Exactly. What is that for Anchorman? You have many leather-bound books. Yes, scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> yes. But, but and then you make a big change. I don't know if you've ever talked about this. I would love to hear the story of you making the change from 13 to 8 because that was a big deal. And I would imagine that wasn't something you just came home one day and went, hey, I'm thinking about uh, going to 8. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. In fact, I had a, I still do. I mean, I had a huge loyalty to 13. I had interned there for two years uh-huh. when I was like 19, 20 years old. Like Norma and Holland, Norma Holland and I became like friends when I was like, you know, 19 or 20. And it, we had such a good time. And I, I really did plan on retiring at 13 like that was eight and ten weren't even a co- i had a i had a small love of 10 because i met gabe dalmouth when i was super young boy scouts and like that's where i kind of that was my first time ever in a tv station but 13 was my jam so so one thing happened that i i just don't talk about contractually and whatnot but mm. the the second thing that happened was kevin doran left just like up and like Oh, Kevin Doran's gone. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a call. And, you know, you start to look at the landscape. And again, there was another issue that was even a bigger catalyst. And it had nothing to do with the station itself nor the people there. And the people there are are super human beings. And I, I loved working with them. I mean, Doug has been a role model for me for what, three decades now? (laughs) Like he's been, he's been up there. So, so outside of that other catalyst, the other thing is you start to say, well, you got Don, you got Doug, you know. Wh- yeah, I'm I'm down, the, I'm uh, not right. Jordan, I'm not Pippin. Am I Horace Grant? Right. You start and, and, even, and even when those folks retire, like, who knows? Like, you know, like, yeah. who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Pauly... Yeah, Polly Guglielmo could decide to get into TV, and they're like, "Yo, man, we <laughs> no. get, we lucked out." Polly puts labels on jars now for a living, <laughs> for a living, <laughs> living now. Yeah, so it just it, everything so, kind of happened at the right time. So you're looking at that eight calls you. This other thing happened that, and I know you don't want to talk about yeah. it, but it just kind of pisses you off, whatever it is. Right, and you're just like, you know what, it's time, and and you do it. And how how long did it take for you to go from thinking about it to pulling the? It trip? all happened within about four weeks. Wow, that yeah. is fast, That's and fast. it's. It's by far the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And when you come to eight, are you welcomed with hugs and kisses, or are there some people who are like, oh, look at this guy from 13 comes in and no, walks no. right No, no. Eight, eight has always been uh, a very festive place. It, people always say that eight feels like a family, like people go out, and, and largely because they have a lot of young reporters, they always have. Eight's been a stepping stone for a long time. 13 is now getting to be like that, but 13, I mean, you had Jane Flash, Patrice Walsh, I mean, yeah. you had just long time. Veterans. Yeah. Veterans, right. Yeah. There was young kids, so it's just kind of a happy-go-lucky, like, underdog-type mentality. So when I came over, they are like, 
hey welcome to the team can i get you a beer you know like so what it was open arms yeah Come absolutely on no there was it was more like i think they were shell-shocked by kevin leaving and so to get someone who knows the area that isn't here to use this as a step to get to a boston or something like that i think they were very grateful that did they you, had someone that would stick around yeah i was gonna ask you that did you also have to make a promise that like i'm done moving like this this i'm ready i'm here now this I is mean, my home and i'm here yeah i mean i signed a long the, the contract is the promise right yeah um yeah. but i think that they they were smart enough to realize that they've got a hometown kid and so it's much harder for someone like me to leave because i have family here why yeah. would i yeah. why would and i don't know if you feel this way because you've i know that you really started and this has been your main market but i tell people that every market is kind of the same like what you did on, on you know wheeze and your own show like it's kind it's the same shtick mm -hmm. in every market yeah. so people are like oh do you want to work in new york city i'm like to cover what the same type of yeah. violent incidents the same type of feature stories the same it's the same stuff yeah. only it's harder to get around yeah, but there's been. A, but you know what's funny about every market, though, the TV anchors are really they really are celebrities in every market. Yeah, like, isn't that funny? Because I'm from Ohio, and the weather guy Dick Goddard. You yeah. ever heard of him by any chance? No. no, he's just the the weather guy. But man, people freaked out if Dick Goddard walked into the store or something. People love the TV people. Oh yeah, and it's the best kind of celebrity too. To be honest with you, because if I go 60 miles east or 60 miles west, yeah, you're done. I'm anonymous. Nobody knows you anymore. It's the best it's thing ever. It really is. The yeah. craziest thing is when you're on vacation and you do run into someone from, that's when they freak out they're like oh my god i watch you every morning on 13 do you every morning okay. i still get it by the way too for me it's only been a couple weeks but i still get the love you every morning there's been a couple times where i'm like i don't even have the energy right now to explain yeah thank you for listening <laughs> like even now i'm not even there anymore you have oh, to oh god you have what, to. how have you how have you dealt with this thing that's happened over the last few years although it isn't the last few years i've been listening to a lot of podcasts about news and how news has been and the fake news thing yeah and people being mad at the news because they disagree with the news so they're mad yeah. at the news and i just thought that was kind of recent that's kind of existed forever hasn't it how have you seen it you don't necessarily locally and it really has i i always say i remember going to cover when i was covering for someone in denver i was one man banding and i'm sitting there with my camera and um michael moore came to town to hold a rally and I'm sitting there with like, you know, three or four other people who I knew, they're local reporters, and he was talking about the coverage of the Iraq war. So this is probably 2007, something like that. And he starts going, and these people lied to you, these liars. He's pointing and, at you. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, this is a bunch of, a bunch of lefties yeah. screaming at us now, like, we're oh, just easy targets because we don't fight back. Yeah. Because we just, we're there to reflect society back on itself. You know, we're not there to take a side. So I remember thinking that, I'm like, dude, first of all, in 2003, I was just getting out of college and we are local news reporters. Like we do stories on, you know, people raising puppies, okay? Like he was just so out of touch. But now I see it on the flip side where they're trying to use us as a scapegoat and as a distraction really. And I tell people, first of all, there is bias at some level at the national level and more in the cable than the network. And 
at the local news, we're totally different. When you say, say the media, well, who do you mean, right? <laughs> yeah. And poll after poll from Pointer will show you that local news, the trust is still exceptionally high. Yeah. So though we might see some videos of people screaming at local reporters, I think we're talking about a 5 to 10% of the population that has some antipathy towards local journalists because almost everywhere I go, uh, whether it's a Republican shindig or a Democratic shindig, they know us, and that's the difference, yeah. is they know me as Adam, they know Norma as Norma, and it's not its not like that. I never run into that here. It, no, it's so true. Like, we you, we welcome you into our living room, you know, every night, and it's like around dinner time. So yeah. it's like at the time that we're having our family meeting for the night, you're there. It's its me, my wife, my son, and you. Right. I mean, it's so it is a thing where then you feel like you know that person. Right. And it's really kind of cool how that works, and, and it's cool how... You know, a lot of a lot of you guys, you really embrace it, and you know, you don't walk around thinking you're the shit. You just you're you're Adam. I'm here for you, and great to see. You. And if yeah. people do approach you in public, you're kind to them, and I think it's great. Yeah. Look, some weirdo invited you to his house to the backyard <laughs> to do a podcast, and they sits you down next to his garden. By the way, look at that garlic. Is that looking pretty good? Which one? That's gar- the all the way at the end. Oh yeah, the that looks great. That's all my garlic that was planted in October. Everything else was just planted, so there's nothing happening. That looks here. awesome. The basil. You take some basil to Jill. Did I see your wife? Mm made breakfast on an open flame that's her favorite thing i saw that on twitter yeah no because we go camping every year in allegheny and that that's was what, amazing looking. oh yeah that was awesome yeah no she's legit and is it true you had chickens <laughs> tell me about the chickens. the chickens were in the village when you could have chickens we moved to the town last year and yeah. they allow chickens if you have like a massive yard which we don't mm. and so we couldn't have chickens so we couldn't take them with us so we gave them to our neighbor across the street so i couldn't help but make the joke because i make dad jokes that as we're pulling the coop across we're like wow we are actually taking the chickens across the road (laughs) it's good by the way by the way i feel so bad my neighbors we gave them three chickens in this beautiful coop two of them have been taken down one one by a hawk and the other oh no the other three days ago by a fox oh no yeah so oh, that's terrible i know and the chodex chickens on twitter they were on twitter which one was on twitter hopefully the one that's still alive yeah he's he was the one who tweets <laughs> that's the one that does all that hopefully he didn't live <laughs> he's tweet not all happy that. with us no it's he's not like good now i'm alone you no. know norma holland leaves me voice messages as my chickens <laughs> get out of here yeah yeah he's like i'm going to kill you <laughs> she's hilarious oh yeah she's great oh she's fantastic well i i think we said it all did we say it all I don't what know. else is there to say what i, I don't miss? know did i, I got nothing what do you got going on what are you doing dude i don't know how you doing i'm on social? books on tape now that's what i'm into but what are you listening to game of thrones uh, did you watch the series no 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 I, I don't have time to watch tv anymore. how far into it are you I'm like book four, maybe, I think. Okay. I never read or listened to the book. Did you like the series? I like the series, and I'm one of the few people who agrees with the ending. I like the ending. Really? I think it made sense. People are like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, no, that does make sense. And Interesting. We'll talk I'm about looking, it. I'm looking forward to watching it once I kind of make it through the books. Y- you know, it's one of those things, though, it's so fantasy that yeah. it's hard to get into. There's so much to learn. Yeah. You have to invest in oh, Game yeah. of Thrones and learn a lot of last names, and then there's like a lot of stuff happening that's weird. And you know, like just yeah. not used to that's a brother and a sister, and then you go. Yeah, there were some weird parts. There were times cool. I kind of set down the audiobook and I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna take a break from this. Your kid ever walk in the room and you're like, let's <laughs> let me just hit pause for a second. Is that yeah? That's that's weird. Well, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate. Oh, this is it. great. Thank you. This is great. You're sure you're not the Medley Center on Twitter. <laughs>
<laughs> no, no, no. I don't think you are. No, no. I really... Jill laughs at that because I, I can barely find the time to bring my clothes down to the... All I have to do is drop them into the washer and I can't find the time to do that. Can you imagine finding the time to be that clever and creative? No, no. And Who, you know I'm not, by the way. You remember... Uh, I know you're not. I actually know <laughs> yeah, you're not. Yeah, you know I'm not. Who, uh, f- uh, fake Rachel Barnhart on Twitter. Do you remember that one? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. There was a night at the Prism Awards, because I, I used to have to go with Ryan, mm-hmm. like the Public Relations Awards or something in town, where fake Rachel Barnhart tweeted something, and it was guaranteed that she was, that, that person right. was in the I room. I think I remember that time, yeah. And it, it created a... It's crazy how these mystery Twitter personalities yeah. can create a little buzz. Yeah, you know? isn't it? And, yeah, and it, because it made like that room that night became a buzz of like the thing that that Twitter account tweeted was definitely it's somebody in this room. Didn't right someone end up saying something at the podium? Like it got up to the speaker or something. I, I remember it was John and happened. John and Don Alhart were the MC. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were the MC. So th- th- whatever happened, it made a lot of people convinced it was John Alhart for a while. Oh, okay. I think so. That's, I, that sounds about right. I think so. But I know that that's when you retired your, uh, your, <laughs> oh man, I just don't, I don't have the time for that. All right. You should do hour long Adam interviews, by the way. What's your longest Adam interview? Um, probably about an hour. Oh, you have done an hour before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I have to log the whole thing because I like to put the whole script on. That oh, was yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. That ends. was terrible. You edit stuff out. You edit out chunks. Yeah, but then we yeah. try to put the whole interview on for people, for like the five people who want to watch the entire interview. We're yeah. like, well, it's a service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you doing with social distancing, by the way? Fine. I, I, we had some friends over for the first time this past weekend and we social distance, but my son, I didn't fully anticipate. I thought like, you know, hey, stay six feet away. But yeah. then, you know, they start getting. So we got to scale back a little bit. We went to our mother-in-law's, my mother-in-law, I guess. For her, it's just her mother. We went to my yeah. mother-in-law's this past weekend for the first time. And it was weird. It was fine. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. But it felt weird. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm in a spot right now where I'm like. You need to social distance. You need to wear a face mask. You need to all that stuff. I'm like, right. just, you need to you need to follow the rules. But also, you need to stop tattletaling on everyone who's not doing it. Yeah, too. don't go on Twitter and say I went for a walk and five people didn't wear masks. Like both of you just need to stop. I I think I I would agree, and that's not going to make anybody wear. No, it just makes masks. them mad. It makes that people on that side of the situation mad. And you're going to push them into a corner. Yeah, and, yeah. No, I agree, and I think all you have to keep doing is just saying, look, the risk is still out there. Like my my mom wants to see my son and you know mm. we did a social distancing meeting but they can't hug and mm. you know i just have to keep reminding everybody that we don't have a proven treatment we don't have a vaccine no and yes we have room now in the hospital but that doesn't mean you want to like right. it's just it's still out there i told the story last week on this podcast but i there's 7-eleven out by where i work uh now i walked in there and um and i kind of got a view that there's like this under underbelly of people who are anti-masking yeah because i walked in and i forgot my mask i was just a hundred percent in my head it just happened i don't know how to explain right. it i legitimately i parked and i just was in my head i was elsewhere yeah you know i was i was on to my next thing already i was just stopping at 7-eleven to get a gatorade and that was right. it <laughs> and i walked in there without my mask on and they had their masks on the 7-eleven workers and as soon as they saw me walk in without a mask they all drop their masks immediately and i was like oh shit there's like a whole thing yeah. here where to them they just saw me and went oh he's one of us yeah we're good we're yeah. cool and Isn't i went i wonder if that's a thing that's yeah a and thing. i think I, and i understand the frustration and and not wanting to wear it and look there are some medical conditions that you can't wear it. so people have to remember that too someone that you might try to like 
scold, they might they might not be able to put on a mask because yeah. they have asthma or whatever. But what I don't understand are the people who are like using it to advance the culture war. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the people who are like a freedom, like <laughs> yeah. no mask. And I'm like, ah, like I get the frustration, but this is this is the fight. Like yeah. this is the where you're drawing the line. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. Uh, a face covering yeah. for a few weeks. Yeah, people are, they, they want to fight about everything. That's so true. That's crazy. Adam Chodek, I think we said it all. <laughs> Did we say it all? We I think said we it said all. it all. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, Polly.